0: Please turn your Bibles to Romans chapter 12 this morning. We are looking at some of the ways in which we can serve God, which is our reasonable service, as it says in these verses. Romans chapter 12, let me read verses 1 and 2 for us. It says, I beseech you, therefore, brethren, by the mercies of God, that you present your bodies a living sacrifice, holy, acceptable to God, which is your reasonable service. And do not be conformed to this world. But be transformed by the renewing of your mind, that you may prove what is that good and acceptable and perfect will of God. We've uh, been looking at a number of things the last few weeks. There are three exhortations in this passage that we find. First of all, we are to present our bodies to God present them as a living sacrifice, present them as a gift to God, which is a reasonable act of spiritual service unto the Lord. So that's the first thing that we looked at. Last week we looked at the second thing in verse 2, which says, Do not be conformed to this world. We are to offer ourselves as a gift, a living sacrifice, and we are not to fashion ourselves like the rest of the world from which we have been called and saved. It is easy for us to become like the world or to keep on doing the things that we have always done. It is easy for us because it is fleshly. It is natural for us to do those things. But as children of God that have been saved by the Lord Jesus Christ, we are now also spiritual and heavenly. And so there is a fundamental change, a fundamental shift that has taken place or ought to take place in the life of the believer as we head towards God. Colossians chapter 3, verses 1 and 2 express this. It says, If then you were raised with Christ, meaning if you are a saved person, born again, salvation has come to you. If you are raised with Christ, then seek those things which are above, where Christ is, sitting at the right hand of God. Set your mind on things above, not on the things on the earth. So we are to not Conform ourselves to the world, not pattern ourselves or shape ourselves like the rest of the world. But instead, we are to be transformed. So you have the negative, don't be conformed, and then the positive, be transformed. And that is the change here. To change from one thing to another. That's what the word transform means. It is uh, pretty easy to understand, but when the Bible is using this word here, it is talking about a significant change. That takes place in who we are. The same word transformed is used to describe Jesus' transfiguration on the mountain. Remember when he went up to the mountain and he had some of his disciples with, with him and it was, he was changed before them. It says in Matthew 17, 1 and 2, Now after six days Jesus took Peter, James, and John, his brother, led them up on a high mountain by themselves and was transfigured. There, same word. He was transfigured. Before them, his face shone like the sun, and his clothes became as white as the light. So we can see that this transfiguration of Jesus on the mount was pretty significant. I mean, it was quite obvious. And that is what the word conveys. A significant, obvious kind of transformation that is to take place. So we are to be transformed. We ought to be fundamentally different than we were before in many ways. We are to be different than what we were Before we were unsaved and sinners, and that showed itself in a number of things that we did or did not do in our lives. But now we belong to the Lord, and therefore we are exhorted to be transformed, to be different than we were before. And so we should make the choices that reflect this change. We should talk and act in a way and deal with others in a way that is different than everybody else that is around us. And so that should uh, show itself in our lives. And a couple of questions here that become important for us to ask ourselves, and, and this is for you, between you and the Lord, what distinguishes you now as a believer from the rest of the world, from the rest of the people that are around you? What distinguishes you? How are you different than you were before? How are you different from everyone else? And this is important for us to understand now. Thankfully, you all are here in church today, right? Woo! Are you here in church? You're here, but maybe not awake. Maybe you're sleeping out there. Anybody sleeping? All right, some of you over here are in church, and some of you are just starting to wake up here. But the fact that you are in church is one of those differences. Um, I mean, we we drove here to church this morning, and there are a couple of houses under construction, and I noticed construction trucks outside these houses. And that means some people are making the choice to, well, I got to do this job, I got to finish it, and I got to go to that work. And they're making that kind of a choice. And you know, if they're not believers, they're not going to choose to come to church anyways. But you all have cho- chosen to be in church, and that is a reflection of your faith in Christ, and that is a good thing. What other things in your lives reflect your faith in Jesus? How else has he changed you? There ought to be these differences. Now, we look at another verse, 2 Corinthians chapter 3, verse 18, and it talks about the transformation as well. It says, But we all with unveiled face, beholding as in a mirror the glory of the Lord, are being transformed into the same image from glory to glory, just as by the Spirit of the Lord. And there are a couple of things for us to note about this verse. verse. First of all, and we talked about this last week, we are being changed into the image of Christ, Right? We are being changed into the image of Christ. As Christians, as we grow in our relationship with the Lord, we become more and more like like Christ, like Jesus, like the Lord, right? We become more and more like him. Uh, As time goes on, there ought to be a greater reflection of who Jesus is in our lives. And so we look at uh, some other questions that are important for us to consider in our day-to-day life. This is when we engage in everything and everyone around us. And we can ask ourselves these questions like, would Jesus talk this way to that person? Would Jesus watch that movie? Would Jesus feel this way inside? Would Jesus help that person? These are and there's a whole host of other questions. The, the idea here is that we are examining our choices in our lives. In our lives. We're examining our choices with the, the lenses of what Christ would do. What would he do? What would he be like? How would he respond? And we get a good gauge of the way Jesus was when we read through the Gospels. Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John. We're reading through the New Testament, by the way, as a church. And Colin mentions this every week. And we have a reading plan to get us through the New Testament. And I would really encourage all of us to take part in that. Uh, We're doing it at home, too. Me, Micah, and Stephen. We're on year three of our first year reading through the New Testament. But there's no rule as to how long it has to take us. You know, we're working our way through it uh, little by little every evening. And it is a good thing to be reminded of the truths of the Word of God. And if we read the Gospels, we are reminded of how Jesus responded to those that are around him and the things that he did and he didn't do. And since we are being conformed into his image, being transformed into the same image of Christ, then we ought to consider who he was or who he is and what he does and apply that to to our choices and our lifestyle. So ask yourselves the questions of how Jesus would respond or act in a particular situation. And then the second thing that we have to remember from this passage, not only are we being changed into the image of Christ, let me bring the verse back up, not only are we being transformed into his image, but the transformation is a work of God. In other words, he is the one also at work in us making this change or bringing this change about. And this is what uh, part of what being a Christian is all about. We are yielding ourselves to the work of the Spirit of God in our lives, allowing Him to have His way, to guide us, to direct us, to give us the wisdom that we need, to empower us to do the things that we ought to do. He is at work transforming us into His image. You know that God is on your side, right? He wants us to be successful in our Christianity, He wants us to become more like him. This is his will for us. And anytime we go astray or anytime we feel that this is so hard, I can't do it. This is our flesh talking. And maybe it is a reminder to us to yield ourselves to Christ, to rely upon the power of Christ, to work in and through us bringing about this transformation process. So he is the one who is at work. And I tell you what, it is a good thing to know that he is on my side helping me in this walk. Amen? That that is comforting and encouraging. Uh, if, If I have to do it in my own strength, well, you know, there's daily evidence of my failures. But knowing that he is with me, that makes all of the difference. He is on my side. He is with me. He is for me. He is helping me in this transformation that he calls me to. Now, when Paul says, be transformed, he tells us exactly what he has in mind. And there is one specific thing that he focuses on here. He says, be transformed by the renewing of your mind. Be transformed by the renewing of your mind. So if we talk about this transformation process, one important key element to this is changing our mind. The word renew means to take what is old and fix it up. Now, my wife, she's into house projects sometimes, and if you come to visit my house, I'm not going to let you go downstairs because she has trashed it in an effort to renew it. Um, another example would be, anybody, anybody rebuild cars here? Anybody, like, fix up cars Anybody? Nobody? Oh, we got. Oh yeah, you guys are so slow to raise your hand. You t- you take an old car, you fix it up, put new parts on it, give it a nice paint job, and you you have renewed that car. What about houses? Anybody into uh, fixing up houses or renewing houses? Or all right, we got a couple of. Hey, you just do everything, right? <laughs> all right, that's Bud. He likes to renew cars and renew houses. So if you got a project, go to him. Uh, but it's the same idea. You take something that is broken and beat up and you renew it. And you know, this is what happens to us in salvation. He could have touched us and given us our new glorified bodies right away, right? So, in here, you know, we'd, uh, all the true believers would be known because we'd be shining and glowing and just, you know, in our prime and just. And then everybody else would just come and be, be all beat up and everything. And there, there'd be an obvious difference. But we don't have that. That's not what happened at salvation. There wasn't this immediate transformation into the glorified body. And so here we are. We received Jesus. He forgave us of our sins. He transformed us. And yet we are still in this flesh, in this body. We're still getting sick. We're still struggling with circumstances in life. We're still dealing with all of these things. We're, in a sense, kind of beat up. And so what Jesus has done is he has taken our old life... And we come to him and we confess our sins and we acknowledge him as our Lord and Savior. And he transforms us. There's a spiritual transformation that has taken place inside. But the bulk of us remains like it was before salvation. I came to him. I didn't get any smarter. I didn't get any healthier. I didn't get any uh, stronger. It was the same old me with the same old problems. But now there was Jesus here who had transformed my life and given me a new hope as I go forward to to transform me, to change me, to fix me up, just like we would that old car or that old house. He takes us old people and transforms us into something better, his image. And that is the sanctification process. And so we go step by step through this life and we are transformed and here in particular we are transformed by renewing our mind by fixing up our mind by changing the way that we think about things I don't know if we realize but how we think impacts and affects a whole lot about our lives and and what we have to deal with and how we face those things the word mind here is our ability to understand and comprehend and think Um, That's nothing uh, mind-blowing there. We all understand this. But there's a difference between how the Christian thinks and how the rest of the world thinks. or there There ought to be. This is the transformation process, the renewing process. Our minds should be renewed. So in Ephesians chapter 4, for example, it says, This I say, therefore, and testify in the Lord, that you should no longer walk as the rest of the Gentiles walk, or the rest of the unbelievers don't walk like the rest of the Gentiles walk in the futility of the mind. Don't be like you were before, with a futile mind, an empty mind, or a purposeless not, uh, mind. That's, that's not us anymore. We, are, we were like that, but no longer like that. The rest of the world pursues things that do not matter. That's empty, that's vain, that's futile. There is a certain escapism that, I mean, if you have nowhere to turn, what are you going to do? Well, you know, maybe you're going to try to escape from your problems. You do things to forget. Uh, Drugs and alcohol and smoking and entertainment and relationships and sex and eating and games and other diversions to take our minds and our hearts off of our problems, at least for a little while. That's how the world does. There's withdrawal, sleeping too much, or avoiding relationships, hiding away. There's projection. That's taking my problems and just putting it on other people that uh, aren't at fault or don't have that problem. Project our problems on others and then take it out on them. On the news the other night, they, uh, they portrayed that there was a startling increase in depression among young women in particular. I mean, there's depression. Depression has increased across the board. But in particular, it seems that there has been this increase in depression among young women. And at one point, I mean, they attributed to another, a number of things, but they, they tied it strongly, making a strong correlation between depression and sex, the sexual freedom that is pushed by our culture today. So I thought that was really interesting. But you know, it's not surprising because if you have nowhere to turn, like an unbeliever has nowhere to turn, if there's nowhere to turn to find true help and, and uh, a long deliverance or treatment or, or, uh, or freedom from these things, then you know we're going to see these results and these consequences of the choices that are made. But as Christians, we are to think differently about things. And we have the truth that has been given to us to enable us to think differently uh, from the rest of the world. So we allow God to work in our lives and His work in our lives is a complete transformation that takes place and we can experience the, the fullness and the favor and the blessing of God in us. So first of all, the work of transformation is the work of the Father. The work of the Father. In Romans chapter 8, verse 29 It says, for whom, this is God, for whom he foreknew, he also predestined to be conformed to the image of his son, that he might be the firstborn among many brethren. But notice this part. He is at work conforming us, like we said already, into the image of his son. God is at work. The Father is at work in us in this transformation process. And again, we don't have to feel like we're doing this alone. Not only is it the work of the Father, but it is also the work of the Son. When a person puts their faith in Jesus Christ, this is what happens. 2 Corinthians 5.17 Therefore, if anyone is in Christ, he is a new creation. Old things have passed away. Behold, all things have become new. Isn't that great? There's an encouragement there that we can take in this. Also, we find encouragement through his word, which he gives us the, under, the ability to understand. So this word understanding is the same word mind in, in Romans chapter 12, verse 2. It says, this is, this is Jesus after his resurrection. He's walking back with the two disciples on the road to Emmaus. You remember, remember that story there? It says he, he's uh, relating how the Old Testament pointed to him. And it says this, he opened their mind, he opened their understanding that they might comprehend the scripture. And so the work of transformation, transformation, the renewing of our mind is a work of Jesus Christ through his word. It is also a work of the Spirit of God. Not by works of righteousness, which we have done, but according to his mercy, and I like that, according to his mercy, he saved us. Through the washing and regeneration, the the washing of regeneration and renewing of the Holy Spirit. So the Spirit of God is at work in this transformation process. But just because the, the Godhead is at work in our transformation doesn't mean that we don't have a role to play as well, and we do. As Romans chapter 12, verse 2 encourages us. It exhorts us to be transformed by the renewing of our minds. We're to think differently about things. Uh, we could read 2 Peter chapter 1. If you can turn there for a moment, 2 Peter chapter 1. Uh, this is a great passage of exhortation to us of having an active faith in our Lord as opposed to simply a passive one. In 2 Peter chapter 1, beginning in verse 5, it says, for this very reason, giving all diligence, this, this expresses the, how, how involved and how engaged we are to be in our transformation process. It says, giving all diligence, add to your faith virtue, and to virtue, knowledge. To knowledge, self-control. To self-control, perseverance. To perseverance, Godliness. To godliness, brotherly kindness, and to brotherly kindness, love. For if these things are yours and abound, you will neither be barren nor unfruitful in the knowledge of our Lord Jesus Christ. For he who lacks these things is short-sighted even to blindness and has forgotten that he was cleansed from his old sins. What a great passage of uh, Scripture that is. One that has a lot for us to consider and to dwell upon. Another passage here and this is really important as well in 2 Corinthians chapter 10 verses 4 and 5 and this gets a little bit more practical I think in our renewing of our minds and I'll give you some examples in a moment it says for the weapons of our warfare are not carnal but mighty in God for pulling down strongholds now here's here's where it becomes important Casting down arguments and every high thing that exalts itself against the knowledge of God. So we're talking about arguments, we're talking about knowledge, we're talking about these high things that just kind of uh, put themselves forward in us. Bringing every thought, there it is again, into captivity to the obedience of Christ. Now here's the exhortation. Uh, uh, Like I said earlier, a lot of what happens in our lives is reflected of reflective of the kinds of things that we're thinking in our heads. And we are not to just sit there and allow ourselves to just kind of go on a rampage in our thoughts. We are not just, we are not to allow our thoughts to unravel. We are not to allow our thoughts to just kind of run its course without check. We're not supposed to do that. We are to cast down arguments, to bring into captivity every thought to the obedience of Christ. And so here comes an active and engaging way for us to renew our minds or to change the way we think about things. We are to tell ourselves when these things assault us, these thoughts assault us, I will not think that way in Jesus' name. So, for example, don't allow yourself to think life is meaningless, I am worthless, I don't know why I'm here, what my purpose is, I have just no guidance or direction at all, I am worthless. Don't let yourself think like that, because those kinds of thoughts are contrary to what the Bible tells us about who we are in Jesus. Instead, think, I am not going to think like that, Jesus died for me, his blood was shed that I might have the forgiveness of sins. I have been fearfully and wonderfully made. I am his special chosen one. That's how we should think. And so we replace the old thoughts with the truth of who we are in Christ. It's sort of like Jesus. You remember when he was tempted in the wilderness? The devil took him and he said, If you are the Son of God, turn these stones into bread. Do you remember that? And how did Jesus reply? Man shall not live by bread alone, but by every word that proceeds from the mouth of God. What Jesus did is he fought the temptation; he withstood this assault against him to do something wrong with the truth of the Word of God. Each in each of his responses, he quotes from the Old Testament, the Scripture. And that's what we're supposed to do. So don't think that life is meaningless or you are worthless. Instead, remember that Jesus died for you. He shed his blood for you that you might have the forgiveness of sins. He has made you one of his children. You are special in his sight. Don't think, maybe if you're looking at your relationships and uh, your struggles there, maybe with a spouse or maybe with your children or maybe with your parents, all kinds of relationship issues that we have. We might be tempted to think, my relationships are all broken. They're all broken. I'm broken. Everything's broken. There's no hope. We can't fix this. I've tried so hard to fix my relationships and it's impossible. Instead, replace those false thoughts with the truth of the word of God. Establish God-honoring relationships in your life. Or he explains to us what kind of relationships we ought to have. So let's take those passages of scripture. Let's stand up against the false ideas like one man and one woman in marriage, which is a right idea, not a false idea, but it is an idea that the world is attacking. Don't exercise sexual freedom, even though the rest of the world says it's okay. The truest relationship that we can have is with the Lord. And let us remember these things. Let us replace our false thoughts with the true thoughts. He wants me to be one with my spouse. He has given me my children as a blessing. My parents have been given as my authority to help me and to protect me and to guide me and to provide for me. Let us replace with the truth the wrong thoughts. Don't think, I need to escape from all my troubles. I need to get away. I need to just, I just can't handle it anymore. Instead, don't allow yourself to indulge the substances, even if they might be legal by the world's standards. Don't give yourself to futile entertainments of the world. Seek the things of God. His word is the truth and the guide to knowing Him better, and let us take advantage of that. Prayer is important, and it takes me into the presence of God. So let us engage in prayer. Let us engage in the word of God. Let us serve in his name. I must help others in the name of the Lord and thus do it for him. You know when he said, if you give a cup of water to the thirsty in my name, you're doing it as unto me, right? Let's do that instead. Invest your time in the life of your church for he has gifted you to help build up the body of Christ. These are the the right kind of choices, the right kinds of things to think on. When you are tempted to think, I'm afraid, I'm afraid. Instead, remember that perfect love casts out fear. He loves us perfectly, and we do not need to be afraid. Our lives are in his hands. Don't think. Everything stinks. Bah. Don't think. Don't let yourself think like that. I mean, we can these thoughts come into our head and we just kind of we just kind of just over and over and over again and it takes us down and down and down. We are not to allow that the wrong thoughts to continue or to linger. Instead, remember he works all things out for good to those who love him and who are called according to his purpose. And so it doesn't stink. I don't understand it, and I hate it, and I don't like it, but he is at work bringing all things to good and all things for his glory. So let us think rightly. So this is is important. How you think is important. So make sure you put in front of you the truth so that you can think on the truth. The more time you spend in the Word of God... And you, and you just uh, take in the truth, the more it'll come to mind when you need it the most. When you listen to the preachers or read the Christian books and, be, and you, you are encouraged by others in the faith through their service or through their teaching or whatever, every time you open yourself up to that and you receive the truth, It will be more and more present to help you when you need it. How you think matters. How you think matters. So be transformed by renewing your mind. And this results specifically here in our passage in Romans chapter 12. Look what it says in Romans chapter 12, the second part of verse 2. It says, do not be conformed to this world, but be transformed by the renewing of your mind in order that you may prove, prove the will, what is that good and acceptable and perfect will of God. By doing these things or by acting this way or by serving God in these three things of uh, presenting your bodies and not being conformed and being transformed, as you live like that, what are you going to do? You are going to prove the will of God. Now, the will of God is often something that we struggle with. What is your will, O Lord? What are you doing here? I don't understand. Which way should I go? What should I do? But by yielding ourselves to service to God, we come to the point where we prove God's will in our lives and we demonstrate it, prove it in the lives of those around us or at least show it to them. And what is true about the, the will of God? What is it that we are demonstrating about the will of God to ourselves? and to others, that first of all, it is good. What God's will is, it is good, even if we don't understand it or see it, but we will get a better picture of it as we are living for him in these ways. God's will is good. God's will is acceptable and pleasing. It is acceptable and pleasing. It's not just a, okay, I know he's good, and everything he does is good, and I just kind of of accept that, even though I hate it. But it's more than that. We see that what he is doing is pleasing. It is acceptable. Yes, this is good. I want it. I didn't get it before, but now, now I see it. That's what we want. And then finally, his will is perfect. His will is perfect. He does not make mistakes. And each of these things about God's will and what he's doing is a we can take as a comfort and encouragement to us. Things are not unraveling. Things are not out of control. He is in perfect control. He knows what he is doing and he can change it or enforce it or whatever he wants at any time. And it'll be good. It will be pleasing and it will be perfect. Praise be to God. And so let us Give ourselves to him. Let us offer ourselves as a living sacrifice. Let us not be like the world anymore, but let us be transformed by how we think about things. All the glory be to him. Let's stand for our final song this morning of worship. If you have a decision to make, you can come forward. If you have a prayer need, you can come forward. I'd be glad to pray with you. And let's worship the Lord one last time this morning together.